Welcome to the TSO Podcast. I'm Kathleen Kajioko from the New Classical FM. And I think it's like you get to the top of the mountain and you look all around and see these incredible views and think, oh my goodness, how small we are. That's TSO conductor laureate Sir Andrew Davis. You'll hear from him later in the show. But first, here's something you might not know about trumpet players. They spend a lot of their time transposing at sight. That means that what's written in their music isn't exactly what they end up playing. We recently chatted with TSO trumpet Jim Gardner about the challenges of transposing on the trumpet. What is that about? Well, what you said is absolutely true. You see an F, you play an F, and everybody hears an F. If we see an F, we play an F, but what you're going to hear is an E-flat, especially if it's written for B-flat trumpet. Right, so what, I, what happens is there are all sorts of different trumpets, and the first trumpet that we all learn on is the B-flat trumpet. So if, if I, any note that I see and play on that instrument will actually sound a pitch lower because the whole instrument is pitched lower by one tone. Why? That's a really good question, and I don't know the answer to that because what happens is, it's other than tradition, what happens is by the time we reach orchestral professional level in, in North America especially and most of Europe now, we play C trumpets. So when we see a C, the notes sound exactly where we see them. But what happens after that is that all through published music for orchestra, you have parts in every imaginable key from C to D to E-flat to F to F-alto below to E is one of the worst ones. So we um, constantly shift around. You know, we're, we're just brass players. We don't have to play a lot of notes, generally speaking, compared to you string players or to compared to the woodwind players. But we're, we're kept agile in a brain way by having to do this kind of transposition work and having to use different instruments all the time. You know, after all this, I'm still not sure I quite get it, but I want to know if you have any stories of transposition gone awry. Well, heavens no. It's never happened. (laughs) No. Um, I have a little story I'll try to tell. There was a famous jazz trumpet player in Toronto who was sitting in a pops orchestra called the Toronto Pops, and they were playing that William Tell Overture. And as this fanfare approached, you know, that that hi-ho, silver, away bugle call was approaching after the big, long... English horn solo, this guy was panicking because he didn't know what trumpet in E meant. And he's well, looking at this part, he's playing a B-flat trumpet, so he's going to have to transpose a tritone. And the guy next to him, who knew a bit more about how this worked, said, don't worry about it, man. Just put down all three valves and blow. You know the tune. And so sure enough, he put all three buttons down and it came out right. And he never did figure out how that worked. But that's a bit of transposition magic. TSO Conductor Laureate Sir Andrew Davis is going to be in our city this week. He'll be leading the orchestra in a program that includes works by Strauss, Elgar, Ives, and Janacek. He'll also be having a lane in Toronto's Cabbage Town neighbourhood named after him. He joins me and TSO trumpet Jim Gardner on the line from Frankfurt to discuss the exciting week ahead. Welcome to the show, Sir Andrew. Thank you very much. It's great to be on the show. Now, you're having a laneway named after you. Is this a first for you? Um, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say it is. I'm very excited about it, actually. Yeah, how does it feel? I don't know, really. I mean, um, 
uh, I suppose I'm flattered and often and all that stuff, and it's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sir Andrew, what do you look forward to most about your visit to Toronto? The concerts, of course. I mean, I, I love coming back to Toronto because I'm, I, well, I love the city and I adore the orchestra. And, uh, you know, I'm two weeks a year, I'm, I'm there regular as clockwork and... Uh, <laughs> We always have a great time, and, and I think this is a, an especially challenging program. It's a difficult program, this, this, this one coming up. Um, and, of course, it's part of the, the Decades um, series, and this is all music written between uh, 1910 and 1920, I think. Speaking of that era in the 1910s, why was that such an exciting time for music? What was going on? Well, well I mean... <laughs> 1913, of course, was the famous year when the Rath Spring was first um, burst upon the unsuspecting public, and that was one of the most revolutionary uh, pieces in the in the history of music. But the, this this whole time, up to the beginning of the First World War, was particularly um, productive in in, in everywhere. I mean, the Mahler was uh, Mahler only just died, Strindberg um, and 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 Berg were just beginning. And Charles Ives was, was writing this crazy music in America. Now we see him as one of the greatest American composers. And then, of course, the war came, and uh, Stravinsky, who had written these three big ballets uh, culminating in The Right of Spring in 1913, uh, then went on to write pieces like The Soldier's Tale. And so we, d- we do see, after the war, uh, really a change of, of style. Sir Andrew, you're going to be conducting Strauss's Alpine Symphony, and I can tell you as a member of the brass section, we're all really looking forward to this. How would you describe that work? <laughs> well, when the, when the Alpine Symphony first came out, uh, a lot of critics at the time just uh, were, were, very, were sort of dismissive of it and said it's just, you know, it's a series of um, picture postcards and, and, and Strauss showing off what a great orchestrator he is. And of course, it, it isn't perhaps the greatest example in his output of, how, of command of the orchestra and how could he could make, you know, there's a, there's a waterfall, for instance, and no question. I mean, you listen to the music and think, that's a waterfall. Um, it is extraordinarily descriptive of the various things that one encounters on, on the mountain as one goes up. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a, we go into a nice meadow somewhere where there's a lot of cows, cowbells, and, and people yodeling in each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of my favorite moments is we finally get to the, to the summit, and the brass do this sort of triumphant, and then there's a moment of incredible stillness and a solo oboe does this very strange, reflective sort of musing um, music. And I think it's like you get to the top of the mountain and you look all around and see these incredible views and think, oh my goodness, how small we are. Then you, you get the grandeur of the view and, and as the big climaxes are incredibly impressive. But I think if you do the piece right, it adds up to a kind of, in a way, a sort of hymn to nature. It, it's a very moving piece if, if, if the performance um, does right, which I'm, I'm sure we will. <laughs> <laughs> well, we so look forward to it and are so happy that you're coming to Toronto to lead the TSO through this work and this whole program. My pleasure, and I can't wait. 
That brings us to the end of this week's TSO podcast. Don't forget, you can be in touch with the TSO at any time. Send an email to community at tso.ca or leave a note on our Facebook or Twitter pages. For more music and stories from the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, join us on Sunday night with the TSO. That's every Sunday at 8 p.m. on the new Classical FM. I'm Kathleen Kajioka. Join us next Monday for another episode of the TSO podcast. <laughs>